0: episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier, here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys. And this week we're going to take a look at a game that I can't believe I consider retro, and I kind of don't, but that said, wanted to cover it anyway. We're going to look at Psychonauts for the Xbox, but before we get into that, Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last show?
1: Guys, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but have you guys heard of a game called Destiny 2? Oh boy! And it's been Back a while, on.
0: but yes, I, th- I believe you might have mentioned it once or twice.
1: Yes, well, that is basically the game that I've been playing. Unfortunately, this season hasn't been too great. Mm. It, there's not so much for the uh, the people like me that enjoy the the PVE aspect of it, like missions and and grinding and things like that. It's a very PvP focused season, and PvP that I can't even participate in because no one actually plays. Destiny 2 besides me that I know anyway. And um, so I, I just kind of get in there every night. I do some bounties, you know, during the day, kind of get on there and play. I just, there's not many games to play right now. I played, I beat Final Fantasy 7 twice now. So did you go and, through on, did you go through on hard and do those extra ones I, there? Some I of those are near
2: impossible.
1: I haven't done new game plus yet. That's the one that I want to start next because mm-hmm. I did it on my uh, my account that I just want people to leave me alone on yeah and then I have my main account that I have all my trophies on. So I was like, mm-hmm. i want I want to play this game again anyway. And you I just, also want
2: uh, you wanted to throw cloud in a different dress that, that's
1: that's, that's really about it. Uh, but you know, I keep seeing that uh, that new game plus pop up at the end of each time, mm-hmm. and I'm really kind of wanting to get in there, but at the same time, I'm really not because uh, yeah. that game was kind of challenging enough on its own, and I don't know if I want to just min max that to the point where I just can't really you know, experiment with it, which is one yeah. of my favorite things to do. So I don't know. I, I may just take the dive in there. Uh, the problem, <laughs> the weird thing is I actually bought Trials of Mana when it came out and I still have not even started that up mm. because I was like, I'm just going to beat Final Fantasy seven and then I'll play Trials of Mana. And I did that and I just went to Destiny back mm-hmm. or back to Destiny. So uh, I have brain issues, obviously, Uh, but i'm hoping that maybe in the next few days i will just maybe put destiny to the side and start up trials of mana which looks awesome it got Mm -hmm. some really great reviews i love that game anyway so uh maybe next next podcast i will not mention destiny
2: 2 we'll see
1: well i am also
0: still playing final fantasy 7 r but i'm i'm still on my first playthrough i'm i'm taking my 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 sweet ass time going through that game. I'm finally close to the well. I say close to the end. I, I'm on on chapter fourteen, so I'm I'm getting close to the end. I'm at the part where it's like, hey, you should do a bunch of stuff because you're gonna get to the point of no return soon, and and that's great. And I will I will gladly finish that up. But it's just I'm I'm not trying to rush through it since I know I, I've got to wait indefinitely for the next chapters to come out. So I'm just just taking my time Uh, but the other thing I've been playing is (laughs) so my son my oldest has been really into Minecraft and I've never really understood the 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 pull of it I understand Minecraft but I was just like why would this be fun Mm. and so finally he got me to to like watch some ridiculous videos of stuff and I realized like okay well maybe if we actually like took the time to make a world together where we could kind of do even if it's like ridiculous you know even like I don't want to say hide and seek, but like, like trying to steal stuff from each other, or whatever. It's like, hey, that that could be fun if we actually build up houses. So I took the time to learn how to really play Minecraft, and and I built myself like a little house, and I'm working on this other stuff. And and he's moved on to Roblox. He's decided he doesn't like Ro- Minecraft oh. anymore, and I don't understand Roblox at all. I've watched them play it. It looks like the world's shittiest collections of games that have. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's like everyone just makes them, but they clearly don't care about copyrights. Uh, I, I don't.
1: I'm not gonna get into into, into Roblox for him. I'll continue. Uh, to... I, I need you to tell me what Roblox is. Like, what is it? I, I always hear it. Is it just like shitty Minecraft? It's is not. It it's like... not
0: Minecraft though. It's like it's like people make their own levels, like in, in say Mario Maker. But imagine if Mario Maker was do whatever the fuck you want maker. So it's <laughs> it's like this 3D exploration game because it's not like 3D platforming. Although people have made like jumping levels but they're not good like it's really i I don't understand it except that it's something that he plays with his cousin and now him and all his friends at school play it and i've watched him play it and i'm like yeah okay i get that there are rules to this but it's just it's just it looks awful and i I have no interest in learning it but uh but i did bother learning minecraft for absolutely no reason so then after i wasted a day getting a house together in minecraft that will no one will ever ever see which is fine, because it's really not very good. I finally started playing uh, The Missing, J.J. McField and the Island of Memories, uh, which I had bought for the Switch a while ago and just never got around to starting. Because mm. it's, it's a good game, sort of. like It's Swery's game after uh, Deadly Premonition and D4. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give this a shot and see if it's... It's nothing like those games at all, though. It's, it's, uh, oh, like, did
1: that finally... I
0: didn't even know it came out. Yeah, it came out actually like a year and a half ago, and I just oh my, might never th- played Like it. this is the one you turn into a cat? No, no, no. This is the one where oh. uh, you're a girl trying to find your friend on an island, and early on in the game, and this is arguably a spoiler, but whatever, I don't care, because if you, if you care about this game, you know enough to know, uh, that at a very early in the game, your, your character dies, and mm. when you die in this game you uh, basically will walk around either... Like, if you died to a fire, you'll walk around on fire. And if you died because you get your arm chopped off, you'll you'll walk around, like, slowly around carrying your arm, and you can then use your arm as a weapon kind of thing. Uh, or if you're on fire, you can use the fire to, you know, get past... Let's say there's a hedge you can't jump over, you can burn the hedge down if you're on fire. And then you can actually Ooh. come back to life without your damage uh, that was done to you earlier, but then you lose those special abilities because you're alive. And it's just a, a pretty simple... It reminds me a lot of, like... A, Flashback or one of those games where it's not really an action game; it's more of a puzzle game in a 2D action format. It's the same kind of game, uh, but with this, but with a weird, sweary spin on everything. Uh, but not nearly as weird as Deadly Premonition. Either way, it's very good. Uh, and it was one I just I couldn't start because the first time I played it, I was watching with my kids. I was playing with my kids around, and of course, as soon as you die the first time, and then all of a sudden you start dying over and over again. I was like, I'm I'm going to play this on my own. It's mm-hmm. not extremely graphic, but they they're six and eight. It's graphic enough that I'm like, I don't want to explain this. Uh, and there are some themes in it that if they did pay attention are uh, not not questionable, but ones I don't want to discuss with them uh, at that age. So either way, it's good. I finally started playing through that. Uh, and again, wasted a lot of time on Minecraft. But Billy, what have you been playing?
2: Well, last week, I was also kind of knee deep playing through Final Fantasy seven, finished it up. And I did try, you know, the way that you do the new game plus on there is is a little strange. You don't play the game necessarily proper all over again it's more like a chapter select so i if you just want to play through you know three again or you have a particular part you want to go back to to Pick up a quest you didn't happen to finish the first time around. You're you're free to do that. I think if you start at chapter one, just continue. It'll it'll take you all the way through the game. So I got on there, and and I had heard some things about this hard mode on there, and, and there are throughout the game you have the the chance to do these these simulated battles, like a I guess like a VR world within the game uh, that you do these battles in. And I tried one of the ones that was was labeled under the hard difficulty. And about precisely 15 seconds in, uh, it was all said and done with my my team that was built up well enough to run through the end of the game. So there's going to have to be some some a little bit of grinding going on there. But, yeah, I did intend to start that one again sometime soon. But, you know, that Animal Crossing has got hold of me. It's got hold of me something awful. And I am finally trying to fancy up my town. Got a nice little neighborhood built put my shop up on a nice little incline with a waterfall. I got a ping pong table out on the beach. I'm looking pretty good as long as if you come to my island, you stay on about that first, you know, 10th of it and you venture up. It's a shit show after that, but I'm still having a good time on there and and just collecting various things. And I spend most of the time just, uh, you know, wondering what project I'm going to undertake more than I actually spend Working on a project. I am going to put uh, an Applebee's in my basement, though. So that's that's something to look out for. I think we'll probably throw a picture of that up in celebration once that's all said and done. I mean, that's kind of living the dream at that point. I pretty much, wish. pretty much. But yeah, I, and and I've got a little bit deeper into it um, as far as uh, I've joined several groups and, and have even downloaded a couple apps on the phone. You know, with people that, that post their, their, their island codes when they have certain things going on. And I'm really big on buying up turnips and trying to, uh, trying to flip them. And that is, that's taking up a good deal of my time also.
0: Well, good news, Billy. I think tomorrow morning I'm set for a spike based on the app I'm using for the same exact purpose. But no one wants to hear us talk about Animal Crossing turnip sales for a full hour. Instead, we should talk about cycling. I don't
2: know. I, I think let the listeners do the talking on that one.
0: If you want to hear about turnip sales, just let us know. Otherwise, we're going to talk about Psychonauts for the Xbox.
2: I believe I, um, I I had played this on the PS2 when it came around. Um, but, I mean, I assume they're I assume they're identical. Uh, basically, at that point in, point in time, you know, the Xbox and PS2 were getting, you know, basically the same ports. But I this is one I had a, a almost didn't take off with it. You know, the first time I got this, I borrowed it off a friend, and it was a little while after the game was out, like I, I saw a little you know, advertisement or two for it. And I thought it looked interesting, but it, it you know, it wasn't enough to really grab me and, and get me out to the store to pick it up. So I, I barred it off a friend who was just, you know, singing the praises of it. I, I went home and played it and I made it, uh, you know, through the beginning and made it through basically the first uh, kind of real mission in the game. And then I was done. And, you know, I, I Sat on it for about another week, and you know, I told him I give it back to him at that point. And I didn't go back to it for for quite a while after that. It was probably a you know, a few, uh, maybe a few years after this game came out that I really sat down and gave it a a proper shot. And I don't, I don't know what really didn't click that first time around, but I just did not find myself enjoying it. Um, but I, well, I can pinpoint some of the things, and we'll talk about it as we go along. Um, but then I can tell you years later what I tried to kind of have to focus on to enjoy it a little bit more. I, I kind of shifted and, and, you know, like I said, we'll discuss both. I just I, I kind of shifted from the gameplay to just kind of engrossing myself with the story of it. And, and at that point in time, I found that I just immensely I um, enjoyed this game. Uh, not without its faults, but but I had a much better time. And it's been one of those I keep coming back to, because I had never finished, and I had certainly intended to uh, by the time this podcast started up. Uh, but I did not, and I'm sure there will be a small section towards the end where I will grumble about that endlessly. I I was...
1: I, at this point, like the the 3D platformer thing had been done quite a bit back mm-hmm. in the day, uh, even just in that generation. Uh, but it's still quite it hadn't quite I don't know a lot of different developers still hadn't quite figured that out yet. And so,
2: even I, though even though Mario 64 uh, was one of the the first ones and kind of nailed it out of the gate. Yeah, I know. Like I that one... it, it was, yeah, it was completely oversaturated and it just seemed like a lot of places couldn't match the controls up quite right for a 3D platformer.
1: Yeah, and by that point I had stopped actually, like, renting those games because mm-hmm. I was kind of convinced that it, they were just going to be a complete mess if it wasn't either Crash Bandicoot or uh, Super Mario 64 mm-hmm. or Banjo-Kazooie or something like that. But... Uh, it really didn't get too much advertising, and it. I just kind of tossed it into the pile of just, you know, the same old, same old 3D mm-hmm. platformers that was out there. And it wasn't until years later uh, that, you know, on the Internet, I started seeing that a lot of people were really talking about it and being like, yeah. you know, this is a hidden gem. It has a it's so funny. You know, it's it's got an amazing story um, actually gets pretty dark in some points or you just wouldn't expect a game like that to go. And finally I decided to try it out. And I, it's, yes, it is a very, in terms of story and things like that, it is an amazing game. Uh, But by the time I actually played it, this was like in the uh, late 360 PS3 days. And things had progressed quite a bit as far as how, you know, getting those controls down and making sure everything works. Mm-hmm. And going back to it at that point, it was very hard for me just to kind of get on board with the controls and everything else. But the story and everything that, like that was awesome enough to kind of push me through. But I seem to always just kind of hit a wall with this game as far as like just how, how it controls and, and how it's not the, not the perfect way to maybe play a, a 3D platformer.
0: Now, this is where I have to say, you know, a couple, I mean, maybe last episode, whenever we talked about Secret of Mana, and I can't remember because we have bonus episodes and my mind is trash, but whenever we talked about Secret of Mana, you had said, Jeremy, like, that's a game you're going to have a problem picking apart because it's, it's a game you were really into and and... You know, it was going to be hard to kind of get past the rose-colored glasses uh, of nostalgia. That's where this is for me. I bought this game when it was new. I remember seeing it in magazines. as like this amazing Microsoft exclusive on the Xbox. Um, I did have an Xbox. I didn't get it until a little later after it came out. But I bought it when Sega was putting out uh, Shenmue 2 or said they were going to put out Shenmue 2. And I already had a couple other like Jet Set Radio Future. All the games that were like the, the things I wanted on Dreamcast sequels that were never going to come. Uh, we're going to Xbox, so I had bought an Xbox, and this was one that that looked really good. Uh, this game came out actually in 2005, so by this time, 3D platformers should have had it nailed down. All the the classic like PS2 era 3D platformers, Jack and Daxter and Ratchet and Clank, have already had at least two games in their series by this point. Like the the idea of a a, a modern 3D. Uh, platformer was already there it wasn't it wasn't like it was on the playstation one where everyone tried to make one and it really sucked by this time they were where they needed to be so uh I, i can see why you had a problem going back to this if you were playing this in the xbox 360 time frame but it's not that old it plays that way sometimes and and we'll get to that but it's not that old of a game uh, this was the first game that came out by Double Fine Productions. Uh, it was founded by Tim Schafer, who used to be uh, with LucasArts. We had covered uh, Grim Fandango, that was his game, also Full Throttle. So he he had a lot of good games with good characters and good you know good humor, good stories in it. And this game does continue that trend. The The characters in this game are generally, genuinely likable. Uh, I think they're all pretty interesting. Uh, their motivations are sometimes very obvious, but still, it's got that that same cartoony feel that a game like Grim Fandango that we covered, I don't know, 20, 30 episodes ago, uh, had as well. If you're looking to play a game that has really good, interesting story, really interesting characters in there, you know, the the banter between them back and forth is really good, this is definitely still worth playing today. However, if you're playing it as a 3D platformer, uh, much like Jeremy kind of mentioned earlier, this is not uh well controlling 3D platformer it is a little bit wonky the con- the camera which in 2005 was basically worked out still has some problems here especially in some of the later levels um but but it's also not trying for the f- most of the game to be a real hardcore jumping platformer it's more of a almost like a 3D adventure game in the same vein as as Grim Fandango that we talked about earlier, where it's, it's not as much about the combat, although there's a lot more in this game than there was in that game, but it's still about you know, using your powers in certain ways to get over problems or mm. uh, you know, finding certain items and collecting so many things to open the next door you need to get to the next area. So it's, it's not truly like a 3D Mario 64 where you're you know, constantly having to worry about these precise jumps, but when it does require that, this game is
2: not the best game for that. Oh, no, And we'll talk about it, especially um, at the end. Like I, I do and I do agree. Uh, it's a lot like it's very reminiscent of those those kind of point and click style adventure games to a great extent, where there is a lot of dialogue and you know, a lot of you know different things you can pick to to say to various characters, and a lot of exploration, a lot of collecting of items. So it is very much you know, kind of a, a mashup of one of those, uh, you know, a, a point and click and sort of a, you know, free roaming of sorts, 3d world. Uh, it, it works out pretty well that way. And even the combat, uh, like we'll talk about the, the various side powers you get throughout the game and, you know, just your, your, your basic physical attacks. Also, they all feel, uh, pretty good. <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of complaints about the combat, but yes, this game, um, if there is one just really kind of damning thing I can bring forth is that uh, it does not have good platforming, and like you said, and for the first you know eighty percent of the game, you're you're just hitting a you know, pretty simple. I, I'd say the game keeps it within its means. It doesn't ask too much of you. It doesn't ask more than it's than it's giving you as far as the ability to pull it off. But yeah, there are, there are times later on. I'll go ahead and disclose. I am stuck on a part of this game. Uh, on the, the, I am literally, if I can connect on this jump, I will be at the final bo- final battle within about thirty seconds. And I have been stuck on that jump for a long time. There are just some things that the game wants you to pull off, and it does not equip you well enough to do it. I, it it just has lofty goals of being a platformer and I think that whole platforming aspect of it uh, really could have been scrapped and I and I think it would have made uh made it more enjoyable for me personally but
1: those characters and and that humor and all of the the stuff that that's there around it yeah I mean there's there's a lot there to to really like even if the the platforming and controls just isn't quite where it needs to be, and that's yeah. what really sucked me into this one. Was just, yeah, uh, especially you know that that first mission and everything, and then once you get back to camp and realize what's going on and the premise of this game of like going into people's minds and and exploring their inner thoughts and stuff like that. That's fascinating to me, and like this game does it really well with these super exaggerated characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was one of those games that just instantly grabbed me with its premise. And, uh, yeah, there's it's, it's a, it's a really shame. It's a shame that I didn't actually play this when it came out because I would probably had a lot more patience with it back then, mm. uh, than I did when I did actually play it.
2: Yeah. And, and like I said, right at the beginning, that first time I played, I think I was focused a little too much on the, on the gameplay of it. And I just, I didn't feel <laughs> that it was that solid. Um, but when I got back, you know, I, I 100%, you know, I'd heard the, the hype at that time. And, and I don't know how this game, like, it seemed like I knew it was out and then it vanished. And then all of a sudden it was the fucking talk of the town years later i don't know what happened to make that for that resurfacing but i um, just i never saw much about it like i I read a lot of
1: magazines but there was i knew it existed
2: yeah and and it's kind of it was out of sight out of mind for what maybe a good four or five years and then all of a sudden it was just it's right there And, and being heralded as a as a classic and you know everybody had great things to say Mostly about the, you know, the characters and the dialogue and the story. So when I got back in it, I mean, I kind of just completely vested myself in that, you know, come what may with controls as I play along. And and I found that they weren't as bad as I recalled them being. And but except for some parts. And I had a a blast with it. Uh, It does a great job of really making you interested and a lot of the characters, uh, even the ones you, you're probably not supposed to like so much, you still want to see how everyone's going to progress over the course of the game. You want to see the, the ultimately the, the fates of these characters. And yeah, a great bit of story. And uh, still to this day, probably some of the, the you know, most humorous kind of, kind of snappy dialogue in a game.
0: Well, it feels more like it was a game that was designed to be a point-and-click adventure that they then yeah. said, you know, we're going to yeah. convert this. To, uh, to an action game and that's probably what happened I know that the, mm. the characters at least And some of the, the overall story was a game Or a game idea that uh, that Tim Schaefer did not use for LucasArts So I assume that it was originally Written out plot wise like a point and click adventure And then you know fitted into this 3D action world Um the game itself revolves around the main character who is Razputin. You call him Raz for the whole game. He is sneaking into the Psychonauts Whispering Rock Psychic Summer Camp for kids uh, to try to, to to show off his his psychic skills that he's not allowed to use at home. Uh, and he was not formally invited to the camp, so he kind of sneaks his way in. And the game starts with him, you know, Coming into the middle of the the training lesson, uh, in which the the camp counselors are, are gonna kick him out, but then they he he basically convinces them to let him stay. And your first mission is to go to the first you know the first formal training mission and see what this game is really all about. Uh, th- this is the introduction to the camp setting. Uh, most of the game is. Uh, inside people's minds but around that to connect it all together there's a a summer camp setting that is a standard 3d open world kind of camp setting Uh, you can go in between different sections of the camp that do have slight loading but that's not a big deal it's it's big sections of the camp where that happens Uh, and then in the camp there's all these little collectibles you can find you don't need most of them except for money Uh, instead of money it's psychic arrowheads uh, but they're used just like money in any other game Uh, you also can collect these psy cards and Psy challenge markers. These basically are how you level up in the game. You don't have experience, but as you collect these cards in the outer world and uh, these special figment things you'll find in the the, uh, inside people's heads levels, which we'll get to, um, that's how you level up in this game. And leveling up doesn't make you any stronger as far as you don't have stats, you don't have a strength or whatever, but instead every 10 levels or five levels later in the game, you get a psychic power or an enhancement to your psychic powers. Uh, When the game starts, before you actually dive into that first world, the only thing you can do is uh, a psi punch, which is you hit the X button and you'll do like a a series of punches, but the punches are animated so you can tell that it's like psychic energy in the Mm -hmm. form of a fist coming out, uh, which is pretty cool. And the only other thing you can do is jump uh, with the a button which also does have a double jump that you can tell is like you boost yourself forward a little psychic boost for that double jump and then you can pull up things with Y. it's the action button kind of interacts with everything uh, and then, as you go through these levels, as you go through the training mission, which is inside a uh, his name is General Oleander. He is kind of camp counselor that's teaching you how to do certain things. It's all military themed and like a boot camp. Uh, and And so, once you get into that world, you can kind of see, okay, I'm gonna go into everyone's mind, and it's gonna be kind of based on what they're like. So mm-hmm. the generals world is this military world. The second area you go to is this very, uh, you know, clean cut, everything's super organized, uh, psychic scientist, so his level his is uh, essentially a cube. And then as you walk <laughs> around the sides of the cube, the level will, like, pound, uh, explode out of that side of the cube as you get it back under control so that it stays a very well-contained, clean cube uh, of a level. And so as you go through the, le- the the game and you find new people to go into their heads for these side levels, which is the, the meat of the game, uh, they're all very much based on the personality of the person you're jumping into. And in fact, later in the game, you're jumping into clearly crazy individuals to try to get, get their minds back in order by finishing these 3D world levels uh, inside their head. And that's where the game, I think, really, really hits for me. And it does unfortunately take, you have to go through the training mission, and then you kind of go through what the game still considers training missions uh, story-wise, instead of just going into you know, crazy people's heads to fix things, which is more or less the, the most fun levels in the game. Uh, you're going through other camp counselors to see, like, oh, here's how you use um, telekinesis, and here's how you use these other, you know, special abilities you gain in the game. And those levels are kind of boring, I think. I, I, it, as you slowly gain powers, the game has to ramp up, or else it would be too much at once, I'm sure. But that's, I can see how, Jeremy, if you didn't get Really far. If you didn't get four or five levels in, you probably would just think this is an okay, you know, a funny okay controlling three D platformer and nothing truly special.
1: And yeah, that's. I mean, it's it like I said, the the premise and everything is really cool and and it's just one of those things where like I just have never really enjoyed playing this game. And and that really just I, I actually my favorite part of this entire game. It's just running around that forest and stuff like that and talking to people. Um, I've seen things that come after in like the later levels, uh, but I've also seen that the gameplay is still there uh, besides like a couple of levels that kind of change it up. Uh, I'm going to admit I did not get very far in this one. I just didn't have time. I've had a lot of stuff going on in the last couple of weeks. Um, But like I mentioned before the podcast, I know you and Billy have played this game extensively. Um, I can't really judge it very harshly because I have not gotten very far into it. But from what I have seen in those later levels, especially when things get really dark and weird and just, you know, like you said, in the crazy people levels, that seems like something that's genuinely really cool. Uh, I I wish I could, hopefully someday I will get to that point. But as for for this episode, I did not not get far enough to really be like, oh man, like that all just changed everything for me.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And the way the game is with you going into different people's minds, I mean, it lends itself to be a good a good kind of, you know, story type reason why the stages are so drastically different. And that was the one thing that really um, pulled me in, you know, along with, you know, kind of the story as I got more of it the the second time, the time I really sat down and played through it um, was just how much the stages vary. Um, I had only played that kind of opening one, the, the, you know, in the, the sergeant's mind. And it's, it's pretty, you know, kind of combat focused, obviously. I mean, that's kind of, kind of the theme of it. So, but it's basically teaching you, you know, the attacks as you go along with some light platforming in there. Uh, and I was under the impression it was just going to be a little bit of that every single time. I had no idea, um, uh, but was just. Amazed as I played through, how much each stage would vary. Um, sometimes the gameplay style is completely different. The objective, almost always, or at least how you go about it, is different. So I, I love a game like that that kind of throws a lot of variety out there, and you know where there's there's kind of something for everybody.
0: Well, and and like I had said, the first few levels kind of teach you the basic. The, yeah. the, the basics of being a psychonaut, which is the the, the mental you know, force that you're trying to join by going to the summer camp. So the, the first level is just kind of teaching you how to use those basic controls, how to use your regular attack, y- your jump, your double jump, how to get around the area, kind of what you're looking for in these mind levels, um, along with just trying to explore these mind levels. It can be laid out in any crazy way since it's somebody's mind. You also have these things to collect. You don't have to collect all of the figments, uh, but that is how you level up by collecting as many figments as you can. Uh, there's also... Um, uh, baggage with baggage tags essentially like emotional baggage and you have to find the special tag that matches each one there's five pieces in each person's mind Uh, there's also vaults that will let you. If you run up and punch a vault, it kind of gives you a little story uh, about that person and why they may be either crazy or in the in the, the case of the other counselors in the camp, it just shows you a little bit of their backstory and, and why mm-hmm. they are a psychonaut or maybe maybe it is also something about them that's kind of sad. But still, it, it, why they are where they are and why they are who they are. Uh, the other thing you can get inside people's minds is cobwebs. And early on, you don't have the method to catch these, but essentially you'll find these like glowing purple cobwebs. You grab them in your backpack and then as you take them back. Uh, To camp later, you can trade them in again for more levels. So cobwebs are optional. Honestly, all those things are optional to collect unless it's a key item that explains the story inside everyone's head. But those are the general collectibles. And then in the camp itself, there's all these other collectibles. Like I mentioned, you have the arrowheads. And later on, there are side cards. You get the scavenger items totally optional scavenger hunt items you can do uh, that are different. There's like find an old watch and find a feather and all these other things and uh, brains. Later on in the game you have to collect brains that are hidden throughout uh, parts of the camp. So there's a lot of collectibles. Most of them are optional. So the, the first level, like I had mentioned, kind of teaches you the basics of when you're in someone's mind, here's what you're looking for, and here's how you use your basic double jump and, and the way to kind of maneuver yourself around the map. The second level, which is in inside Sasha Nine's mind, that's the one where you learn the marksmanship uh, attack, which is a ranged attack. You, can, you have a certain number of them, but it lets you blast people with mental energy as opposed to just punching them. The, and that level's fine, but it is mainly combat. That's what it teaches you. The third level is inside... Um, Mia, who's another camp counselor inside Mia's mind, where you learn how to use levitation. Levitation is another, like you can basically balance yourself on a ball, and then you can use that ball to jump really high, or move really fast, get over jumps you couldn't really make it through, but it's another level that it's all about that. So the level is, those first three levels, while they're they're fine, and they look interesting, they're not that exciting, because they're really just teaching you how to play the game still. Those are the three kind of basic levels that teach you through the game after that I think the levels get a lot more interesting and laid out um, there's a level where you get to pretend you're a giant monster like Godzilla almost there's there's a level where you're trying to help somebody figure out a, a, a bunch of crazy conspiracy theories by essentially finding ways to infiltrate these secret agent groups that are, are part of this conspiracy in the inside this guy's mind so it's all just really crazy stuff um, and then later on when you actually go into a like essentially an old mental institution, those are the levels that are the most unique, but also somewhat tedious, uh, in my opinion. I, I really, really like one of them a lot, and the others I'm not a fan of. I think they go a little too long, or the the things the game wants you to do are not explained incredibly well, so you can kind of fumble around for a while inside these mind levels. Not really sure what to do. I also think the conspiracy theory one, uh, which involves a milkman, is, is mm. one that... Uh, <laughs> I, the first time I got through it, I didn't hate it, and that was, you know, 15 years ago. But every time I've played it since, I like it less and less. It's super oh, you'll long. Never, you'll never
2: want to play through that again.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's the longest level in the game, I think, and it makes the least amount of sense with how you solve the puzzles.
2: It really does. It feels <laughs> I feel like they had a good idea, but, uh, but you know, somewhere along the way, the, the way they wanted to implement that just kind of crumbled. Um, and, uh, I mean, I have a storied history of, of not liking to do a lot of backtracking on a map and you will be walking around this damn map and it's not a gigantic map either but it's like it, it fucking feels like <laughs> it because you're going to be tracking through this map over and over and over again I, and it basically is just it amounts to just accomplishing the the, the goal by oh you want to fool these people um into thinking you're one of them. So you need this and, Oh, Hey, you want to fool I can't remember any specifics, but let's say one character is a, the, like a, a, if a character was a plumber, I was like, all right, go find this plunger. So you can fool this guy into thinking you're one of them. And it just, you know, et cetera, et cetera, with the various professions there on the, on the map. And it, it, it goes on for a bit. It, it wears out its welcome, uh, which is unusual because I found a lot of the stages they kind of nailed, you know, the length of them down. I I didn't feel any of the other levels really dragged or anything like that, but, but something about this one, um, it got to be a bit much. And when I was doing my, my first big serious playing through of it, uh, things almost came to a close on that one. And, And when I, and when I went back, um, my most recent time playing through, Oh, when you can see it coming, like the second you have that recollection of what this level is and what it entails, it 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 really starts to weigh on you. And you know, it's one of those things where it just seems to drag and drag. And like Jeremy P said, coupled with the fact that it's not um, the most clear around, and that there is some some guesswork to be had. Uh, yeah, it just it it makes for I would say I was good and well, until that that conspiracy, until that Milkman stage. And that is when, um, probably at that point in time, which is a good bit through the game, that's where my enjoyment started to to waver a bit. I mean, it picked back up, but it, seriously, that is a, a detriment to the game.
0: Well, it's the fifth brain world you go into, is this Milkman stage. And it's the other first four you've gone through are I mean, at least laid out in such a way that it's pretty easy to get from point A to point B and then, you know, explore, but you still don't get lost. This level is designed to look like a bunch of standard suburban neighborhoods, but with, you know, it's inside someone's mind. So it's got that M.C. Escher, like, you'll go around a corner and the whole thing turns sideways and you have to figure out where to go next. So there's parts of this level where I just, I got lost, even though it's a tiny map. One other thing
2: is, and not a lot of good landmarks in it either. Right. Uh, This is like, this is the cookie cutter all these houses look about the same
0: and, and that's what they were going for but i think it did not help them uh, make that an enjoyable set of missions and it's also one of the levels where uh, this game definitely has some uh, bugs in it not not anything drastic nothing that breaks the game but there's a, a specific point in this level where you get a rifle that you need uh, by going into a graveyard and you take this rifle and the way that the level is set up you can't pick up the rifle without having the people that are there realize you're no longer one of them, and because you have this other item instead of the item you're supposed to have. So it automatically kicks you out. Like, there, there's little things that it it makes it, like, there's supposed to be a little something happens when you pick up that gun, but instead it immediately goes, oh, wait, you're not one of us, and throws us out. And so you have to then go back and figure out what exactly you're supposed to do. There's a little a couple little bugs like that in the game, but nothing that breaks the game. But that's the one that was the most glaring to me on this playthrough, was that that mission in general, is, is kind of a stopping block, a stumbling block. But if you can get through that, um, the next three missions you can do in any order you like, uh, and and those I really actually enjoy for the most part. There's an opera stage level, uh, where you have to keep changing the, the set on a stage to finish the story. It's a very small level. It's one big room, but it's actually done really well. Um, there's a, a game board, where you play as the uh, descendant of Napoleon, trying to help him win against Napoleon in his mind uh, on this board game level. That's my favorite level of the game, hands down. Uh, I can see how people may not enjoy it because it's not combat heavy at all. It's a lot more about figuring out this puzzle. It's a big, giant board game, uh, but it involves you going, you know, shrinking yourself down to the size of the board and walking around like it's a, a, a whole level. I really like that. And then there's a velvet painting level. Uh, I. When I played this game the first time, that was the level I had the most problem with. I couldn't figure out where to go. I got lost a lot. Um, this time, no problem at all. And, I, and it's not that it's been recent since I've played it. I haven't played this game start to finish in, in 10 years. But this is one that the first time I played it, I had a massive problem with this level. Second time, I just, I just finished it without a, a big deal, but I didn't, I didn't like it or dislike it. This time, I really liked it, but I don't know quite why I had such a problem with it before because it's not confusing at all. And, in fact, is another level that they kind of do a lot of really neat ideas with. There's, like, these these four mini-boss fights in it. You've got to actually, you know, figure out what's going on in general. And then when you get to the actual boss fight, it's an interesting boss fight. Like, this game, <laughs> th- this level is, and, and all the levels in this game, all the bosses, all the, the puzzles are different brain-to-brain. Like, all the bosses have their own mechanic that, and a lot of the time, especially early on, if you gain a power in that level, you're probably going to use that power against the boss. But... Later on, later on in the game, you don't have to do that. You just have to kind of go with what you've got and figure out what what the best way to get past a boss is. And sometimes things you think might work uh, don't, but at least the game planned on you doing that and will tell you clearly in the game somehow. Yeah, that's a great idea, but that's not going to work.
2: <laughs> and and uh, yeah, I like the way they do that. Um, it's it's one of those games. I love it when you get something and then immediately you you know you get to you get to kind of put it to use and kind of learn what to do with it. I think that's just the proper way of doing things. I don't think this game at any point in time gives you a ton of stuff and and you kind of have to figure out on your own, how to use it. So I am thankful for that. And a special, uh, Oh, special word for that velvet painting stage. I just think that is the, probably the loveliest stage in the entire game, as far as the, the layout of it and the color scheme and, and the characters within it. Um, I could explore that one endlessly uh, unfortunately i think one of the only downsides is there is a a bull charging through a hell of a lot of that stage so it's, it's not one of those where you can really take your you know take your sweet time and look at the entirety of it all you'd like to but i i just that level stuck with me the first time i saw it and that was the one when i popped it in this last time um i was really playing just to to get to that stage again because i just i'm enamored with that stage in this game and you know as much damage as that milkman stage did this this is in the opposite direction um if i had just played this level alone uh this game would be the strongest recommend in the world from me well and after
0: the the three levels the opera the the board game and this velvet painting level you're basically nearing the end of the game there's there's a series of uh, i mean outer world sections you have to explore and and It could take you a little bit of time if you don't know what you're doing. Once you do know where you're supposed to go, there's basically a couple boss fights, a lot of talking, and then you're at the very end of the game, which is the only part of the game I do not care for at all. I think the last level of this game, which, without giving away too much of the story, and I think we've been pretty good about not ruining the story, because I do believe if you're going to play this game... The reason I recommend it is the story, the characters, just the interactions with everybody. Again, that's that's the reason to play this. So I don't think we've ruined the story. But the very last level is essentially their attempt at making like an extremely difficult 3D platforming level. And it does a very, very bad job of making that occur. All the game's problems with camera, all the game's problems with uh, not really explaining... Uh, the right place to go on some of the maps are, are glaring in this level to the point where I know exactly where Billy got stuck at. I know. And it was a problem for me the first time through. And even this, this playthrough, I knowing exactly what to do still died on that for over half an hour of attempts.
1: I mean, does this seem like it's, it's it, it, like you I think you guys said earlier in the, in the episode is it just seems like an adventure game that they shoehorned into a 3d platformer. Uh, that the, they they had a very clear idea of of the kind of game that they wanted to make, as far as this whole premise and and what you're doing, the plot and everything like that, and all of that makes sense. But it really just seems like this would have been so much better if you didn't have to do all that other stuff. I mean, like I said, I haven't got to this point, uh, and it sounds like this turns into a nightmare at in this <laughs> last level. Um, but you know, is this is this something that would have been more enjoyable? in anything that isn't a 3d platformer
2: you know the, the thing is i i don't know how it could have been done though is the is the thing um not at least to this extent uh i mean if you oh god i don't even know how you work that out like the platforming aspects of it if you took it all out i, I think you would you would err on just being a little too simplistic maybe at that point uh i which with the platforming in now, especially this last stage, it's a bit much. I, I mean, the ideal thing would have been to really kind of hammer down the the platforming of it and 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 put out you know controls that were a, a bit tighter than what we received. But I don't know. I, I, it would be interesting, certainly, if it was just more traditional point and click. I, I don't know if I don't know how much the action lends to the game itself. It's hard to tell if it's one of those things where if it was removed, I would, would not like it as much. I, that's a tough call.
0: I think I'd still would have liked it, but I don't think I'd like it as much. Uh, I mean, we, we did play through, um, grim Fandango for this podcast. And and that's Mm -hmm. one that I think feels a lot like this, but is a point and click. And I did not enjoy that as much as this. I, I think the levels where it works, the most of the brain levels, uh, most of the, inside the brain levels except for again the very last level i think are actually play fine yes you might have some spots where you get stuck or you might not enjoy the theming or it could be one like this milkmaid level milk, milkman level we both complained about that yeah. it just doesn't it doesn't hit right and it should and it just it's too long or something's wrong with it but but generally i think this plays fine again until you get to this last level where it doesn't even need to be there. Like, there is a big boss fight, and you think that's the end of the game, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, here's an extra thing to do. And it is just pure pain from start to finish. And, and I don't even think it's, like, story-wise even necessary. It's fine. I, I mean, I finished it. I finished it a couple times now. It's not unbeatable. And once you get past specifically the jump that Billy's talking about, it really yeah. is that the last couple fights are interesting and not incredibly difficult, but still you know, unnecessary. There is a big boss fight that would have been a perfectly fine ending for this game, but I don't know if they felt like it wasn't long enough or what, but they tacked on this extra level that is, it's not an extra level because you can't see the game without it, but it feels certainly like it was a leftover that they did not have
2: time to finish. Yeah, and it, and it is weird too because for a game where the story has been so tight, uh, I do feel like it kind of, it kind of falls apart there a little bit. I think, that last what seems like the last big boss fight of the game um would have kind of wrapped it up and the game feels wrapped up um but it's like maybe at the last minute someone had an idea hey let's put in one more fight because the whole you know race to get up when i you know race to get up to this fight the subsequent platforming section to me personally, is not worth the kind of minute bit of story you're getting on the, the way there. I mean, I felt like it was good and resolved. Um, but yeah, getting past that, that last boss fight, you know, you, well, what feels like it, you get past it and you realize that the fucking worst part of the game is, is staring you down at this point in time. And this is when uh, it really went off the rails for me. And the, the fun factor of this game uh, uh, went down into the negatives. I, and it's not only the fact of, you know, the platforming being what it is, but you're also sort of timed. You know, there is a, a water level that's, you know, it's, it's told your character can't swim. There's a water level that is rising steadily as you go along um, and really the way it is, I think you have the opportunity to maybe make one, two little mistakes that you can recover from quickly, or maybe one big mistake. Uh, you, you make it that second one, you're done. And it starts you back at the beginning of that little platforming section. Uh, and it is a fucking nightmare trying to get through this thing with these floaty ass jumps I played through the entire game. I still I still couldn't tell you. I, I still couldn't comfortably jump and tell you exactly where I'm going to land. You know, I, 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 there's no weight to his jump on there, which, I mean, it might be part of the game. You know, you're through people's minds and whatnot and uh, like a dreamlike state, so maybe things are a little floaty and whatnot. Um, and uh, there's also little things that are supposed to help you. You know, you got your, your little double jump and other things, and none of it none of it helps me on the stage. I made it to basically the last jump and it oh hell, it is. It is in fact, jump the end all jumps. I can't hit it. And I, I won't even tell you on here how long I've been stuck on this part. And, and, and it might be a skill thing. I mean, from every person like me that's saying I couldn't hit that. I mean, there's, I'm sure it's fucking 20 of you. It's like, Oh, I got the, you know, first few tries. And I'm watch, I've watched videos of people doing it. I have tried over and over again. I can't get through it. And I can't even reliably get through that platforming section to get back to that part every single time. I, it, this is not what the game was meant for. Uh, I think it, it doesn't ruin the game. I'm not going to be ridiculous to say, oh, you've ruined the entire game. It's a wonderful game, give or take a few little things up till this point but it definitely puts a black eye on it. I mean, it it sends you out on a sour note and I don't think any amount of ending, I don't think (laughs) however good the ending is, I'm going to sit there and feel like that. It's, it's just reward, uh, for, for completing that, that last level. They, they really fucked up like after that boss fight, when they had this extra platforming section.
0: Well, it's, the, the section you're talking about, and Jeremy, you haven't gotten there, so I'm going to try my best to explain this, and I don't care if this spoils the game because, God damn it, this is the worst design decision. So the section in the, in the, that Billy stuck on, you're essentially jumping on the outside of what's like a cylinder mm-hmm. around the outside of, of like a slightly – it's probably one full circle around what will be a tower. Um, but it's, it is on the outside of a tower, and there are big gaps you have to jump over. You cannot miss this jump because if you do miss the jump you fall into the water and you immediately die and have to restart the area. It's not a matter of Yeah, like, it's
2: it's too late at that point. Yeah. Water he, level's
0: too high. There's well, no messing up. Well and it's not like when you hit the water you lose a bit of damage and go back. You just you just start over again. It says you you know, it's look like you drown and you start over again at the start of that section. So you go through four panels of this before you get to the end. While you're trying to make these jumps, which you have to make exactly on the edge and make sure you don't go too close in or else you go inside the wall and you can't grab there Um, you also have to dodge fire if you touch the fire while you're trying to make a jump you can't make your double jump it won't let you you just burn and fall into the water and die so you have to make sure you're not just angling this jump right which the camera does not make super easy you also have to avoid these fires that you cannot tell exactly where they are uh, because of how the camera is oriented and that's not really a a complaint. is just another thing you have to deal with. It makes it more difficult. But then when you get to the end, you get through all four panels, and you get to the end, you're staring straight forward at a little platform that you're you're trying to get to. A man is there throwing things at you. Uh, again, not trying to ruin the story of who it would be or why they're there, but they're throwing things at you a, on a, a pl- platform directly in front of you. And I wasted you know, 15, 20 minutes trying to get to this platform, and I could not make the jump. Because the actual jump you need to make which is still difficult is actually behind you. It's not the thing you're looking at that the game makes you look at. You wouldn't even notice mm-hmm. that there's a platform there because there's enough things going on in the, on the on the outskirts of the level you're on that you just think it's background, but it's not. It's the platform you need to jump to. And uh, even once you need it, once you need it even once you know it's there, it's a difficult jump to make. So, I mean, that section in general, I know I finished it originally because I I finished the game and I finished it this time, but I, even I, on, on this playthrough, had to, to kind of do a quick look and say, what am I missing here on this jump forward? And I was like, oh, that's right. It's a jump backwards to a platform that you wouldn't know was there if you weren't really, really looking around you and not looking at the thing that is throwing things at you, which is what your eye draws to and what mm-hmm. the camera focuses on. So it's, again, if that was the only problem with the level, it would be annoying, but it, it's just the most extreme example of how this level does not really play incredibly well. The, the, the camera does not show you sometimes what you need to jump to. Uh, there are things you're trying to, to race due to time that are very difficult to get to in the amount of time you need to get there. That's not the, the rising water is not the only thing in this last level that's like that, and nothing else in the game is like that. It's just this section. So the game up to now has been I mean, challenging to some level. A lot of the time, it's it's at your own pace, but still gives you some challenge. This is the first time that the game really forces you to go at, with a time, level, time limit, and it kind of does it through the whole level. And it already feels like you're still on this, like, oh, I thought I finished the game, kind of letdown feeling, knowing you have one more level to go to. And then when you finally get here, uh, you've actually beaten a mini-boss to get to the section that Billy's stuck on. So you've not only thought you beat it before, you get to this other big boss, you're like, oh, great, I finished it. Nope, nope. I got more to go. And then, Billy, not to spoil it for you, but the, the, the last boss is essentially that same boss you fought before with a few extra bells and whistles. So you've already fought this thing <sighs> once. And then you have to yeah. play it again with, with essentially one extra mechanic that is not that difficult. And uh, in fact, the game gives you kind of a, an in-game hint guide. Uh, because mm-hmm. if you're stuck at certain parts you can use an item in your inventory, it's a piece of bacon that you get early on, and uh, someone will kind of come out and talk to you and you can sometimes ask them, like, what would you do right here? And they'll tell you, like, oh, if I were you I'd use my telekinesis, or whatever the situation might cause that you may not have thought of. So the game mm-hmm. does have a built-in,
2: you know, tip line, more or less. Yeah, uh, you, you pull it out during that platforming part and it comes out and just tells you you're fucked. Yeah, pretty much. That's <laughs> all he's all got to <laughs> During say. the levels they don't I, say a lot. I, it's only his bosses. I, that I, I, I was a borderline Outraged by this last, uh, th- this game does not deserve. It has not earned the right to put such a precise platforming part in there. I can't get past. I can't get. I can't get past it physically and mentally. <laughs> I can't get past it. Ah, um, oh, in a game full of great choices and, and very unique um, choices, uh, this was just this was a bad one. Uh, this was awful. And and and. For you to tell me that it's just basically that balsa that you've already disposed of, and and they're not really throwing much new at you to top that off, that's even worse. That's got to be even worse.
0: There, there's technically one more fight at the very end, but it's one of those ones where you can't really lose. Yeah, like, I mean, you can, and I have. But, but you have to try to lose. Like Once you know, like, oh, I'm too dumb to, to figure, this is such a straightforward thing to do, I'm too dumb to figure this out. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's an easy fight, and it's more or less there for, for cinematic purpose uh, as opposed to an actual challenge. So it, it's not truly the last fight that you're, you're next to, but you're right there, and there's nothing in between them but story, so you're not, you're not going to get stuck at something else. Um, you know, we've, we've complained a lot, but I do think that this is a, actually mm-hmm. a really fun game It's got really good characters and a really like if you're willing to to kind of deal with the fact that the gameplay is just okay um, with some really neat tweaks that you're like oh that that was a really cool idea you probably only do it one time but but you know one time you really like that thing the game won't do it again it tries to do a lot uh, and and it does it it does it okay it's just the very end that really was kind of a kick in the pants. Uh, but not an unbeatable one. You just may need to look up a few things because the game does not tell you what to do uh, and does not organize your viewpoint in such a way that it makes it easy. Um, but but I do like it, and, and it's available pretty much on everything now. It's one of those games, you're, mm-hmm. like you mentioned before, it came out, and it did not do well. It did not sell a lot of copies. Um, and then... Just over time, people kind of remember. Remember that game? It was supposed to be really cool and came out, and especially I think it tied more to when their next game was coming out. Uh, mm. Double Fine's next game came out five years later. Brutal Legend uh, for the Xbox 360. That was one that was another game that, that at first it's not what it appears to be. Uh, Double, uh, Brutal Legend is a game I love, but I can see 100% why people do not finish that, because it switches... Towards the midpoint of the game from being what feels like a, a, a fairly solid 3D action game into a really awkward
2: real-time strategy game that does not explain uh, itself very well. Uh, whoever the guy in the boardroom is, and I bet it's the same fucker that's that Tim Schaefer. Hey, let's put it hey, let's, let's put a big time platforming level in this one. Oh, they need to keep that guy out of the next meeting. Whatever, whatever they make in the future. Just fucking keep him out. Yeah, cause Brutal Legend did that and that that was rough.
0: Well, Brutal that, Legend's well, a
2: little different because Brutal
0: Legend ultimately that's what they wanted to make and instead they kind of walked you into it but in an awkward
1: way. Yeah. Yeah, I I have played Brutal Legend a, a lot and I love that game, but uh it's just, <laughs> it, it turned into a game that I didn't want it to turn into. Uh, I the RTS stuff kind of started I you know, kind of early in the game, you know, at first, it kind of seems like this this open world kind of adventure kind of fable kind of game going on. And I love that, like the characters and everything else. what Double find does best, the humor, everything was spot on. The gameplay I loved. I loved the whole open world. It was this amazing kind of, you know, rock metal kind of mm-hmm. thing meshed with fantasy. And it did it so well. Mm-hmm. And then, they started to do the RTS thing. And I was like, well, you know, if this is something they save for just, like, doing every now and again, I could be okay with that because it's a very simple RTS when, whenever it does introduce it. Um, and it, it's, you know, it, it's kind of fun. But then later on in the game, much like this one, they, they really kind of pivot on that. Like, it, it really just becomes RTS battle after RTS battle. And not only that... It just keeps getting more and more like just over the top annoying, mm. with a lot of the things they start adding in there to the point where it it's not. I mean, I don't know. I just got really tired of it <laughs> about three fourths through the game, and then on top of that, the last battle in the game was just a, a just awful. It was just awful. Mm. I had to do it several times. I just did not enjoy the whole RTS a- aspect of it, and. It's, it's just, some, it was just something about Double Fine. They were just kind of like trying to find their footing somehow. And I'll never understand why they don't just stick with one thing. And it seems like, you know, after that, they kind of went back to what they did best, which was the more the adventure uh, game style of, of what they used to do at LucasArts. But like this and, and Psychonauts was just such a strange mix of all of this stuff together. And it works on, on a lot of levels. But it's just like it's not cohesive enough as a whole to stand up as a, as a full game.
0: Well, I think both yeah. both Psychonauts and Brutal Legend are unique in in the way they combine the things they combine. And they're both worth playing for kind of the same reason. Um, I think Brutal Legend is a little more grating on people if you don't like Jack Black. Because if you don't like Jack Black, you should never play Brutal Legend because there's about... Uh, two thousand percent too much Jack Black in it. But still, I enjoy that. I like that game. But I can see for both of these games why people may not care for them at all, and I can't fault them for those reasons.
2: Yeah, and, and I know I've I've complained a lot here at the end. Um, but that's just oh, I, it's the whole thing of is one really really hefty like negative thing. I, is that enough to kind of drag down the, the rest? But I mean, I think this game does so much stuff so good for so long. Um, I mean, the story is excellent. The humor is, is some of the best you'll have in a game. The writing is some of the best. Uh, the variety of levels is, is interesting. I love that you're kind of doing different things. in a lot of them like the board game level, uh, for instance, and I, I like the presentation of it. I told you how much I love that that velvet painting level. Just just the the look of it is spectacular. And there's a lot of great stuff. And it's this last stage. If you can work your way through it, just know it's coming. Just know it's going to be extraordinarily frustrating. Um, but for all the negative I've said, uh, this is still a wonderful a wonderful game. Um, I did really enjoy it up till that point uh that being said i am gonna give it a go again uh, i'm playing um playing the little you know remaster of sorts they not a big one by any means that so they put on ps4 so i'm gonna hop on there again and try to conclude this thing uh, i don't know if i'll be able to or not um but but it's just it's one really big native basically and just a couple of other really small ones but there is a there is a world of positives in this game. So, I mean, I, I still think it's definitely one worth trying. And, I mean, shit, you'll probably have better luck than me. I don't, I, maybe it's me. Who knows? Well, and
0: it's worth finishing it because finally, in 2020, possibly, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to get the sequel. Psychonauts 2 is nah, coming yeah. out this year. Uh, assumedly this year. They said that it will be sometime in 2020, uh, late last year. For the Xbox One, it is a Microsoft exclusive because Microsoft has bought Double Fine in the mm-hmm. middle of last year, so hopefully uh, I will get a chance to play it. I don't currently own an Xbox One, but uh, this may be one of those games, uh, much like how I didn't buy a PS4 until they announced that uh, The Last Guardian would be on it, a game most people would not buy a PS4 for, and I, and I would buy an Xbox One for uh, Psychonauts 2. So uh, hopefully mm-hmm. we'll, get to, uh, we'll get to see if they've kind of fine-tuned all the things that, that well. may not have been perfect on this game, because mm-hmm. I think the ideas, and especially the world-building in this, are
2: wonderful. And I played actually, um, on PS4, they put out a VR game, um, that, that I think Rhombus of Ruin, uh, you know, and it's one of those that takes place after, you know, the events of the first and I found it to, I mean, it's not lengthy by any means. I, it's one of those, you know, hour or so long, you know, VR experiences more than anything and it's wonderful, but it is basically, uh, a VR point and click, um, there is not much action to be had in it. It's just you're kind of in the character's, you know, point of view and you look around your environment and it kind of highlights what you can interact with. And you're basically just interacting with your environment to to move things along. There are various reasons throughout the game as to why you can't move, like why you're stationary, whether you are, you know, whether you're you're strapped into a plane or at some point in time you're you're being interrogated, you're strapped to a chair and you're having to look around your environment and kind of figure out which of your side powers you want to use on this to, to cause a reaction that'll make this happen. And it's 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 basically, once again, a, a point-and-click style, except even more so. And I found that to be very enjoyable. And that might be a, a good argument towards the fact that this thing could survive as basically a, a 3D point-and-click. I, I don't know. Maybe the second one? Will be like a really hardcore platformer that turns into a point and click uh, right at the end. <laughs>
0: Very nice change of pace. Yes. Yeah, that's our thoughts on Psychonauts, a game I I still highly recommend, but I cannot say it is a perfect game by any means, and hopefully Jeremy will give it another chance to get a little farther in it in the future uh, before he decides, yeah, this really is not for him. But sometimes people like to ask us questions about other games that aren't Psychonauts, and the best way to do that is on our contact form that is located Mm -hmm. at Retrovania.net, where you can send us questions about pretty much anything, and we'll answer them like we will right now.
1: We will. And uh, actually, our first question comes in from Rich. I'm going to guess that's what his name is, because he gave the name he posted uh, when he actually sent in the question was this amazingly long gamer tag um, that he bragged about. I'm not going to read that because I <laughs> it's, it's, it was just it was amazing. If that is your actual gamer tag, then I applaud you. Um, but he did sign it as Rich VF. So we're going to go with that. Uh, he's uh, just writing in to say uh, thanks for all you do. I wanted to say thanks for your great podcast that really makes my long commute and to and from work suck so much less. Jeremy P., I love your theme song and the band. Being a big punk rocker and gamer from the 90s, it brings me back to high school in the mid-90s. You guys rock and keep it up. Rich.
0: Oh Well, thanks, Rich. And I'll have to pay you the money I promised you a little bit mm-hmm. later. I'm a little low on mm-hmm. funds. Uh, but thank you for that rating. Uh, no, I, I, I'm glad. I mean, honestly, we're, we're kind of targeting that 90s. Uh, punk rock sort of thing. So glad that's working. That's what we were aiming to do. That's what I would have played in in high school, and I'm doing it now as an old man. So, <laughs> thank you.
1: Are we paying people to write in now? No, so, no, so what...
0: just just for the band, only for the band.
1: Okay, all right. Anyway, our next question comes in from Joey M, and uh, he's writing about delisted games. We kind of talked about this on the previous Secret of Mana podcast about how uh, some games just aren't out there anymore to download or to buy. Uh, And he writes them to say, I don't know what the big fuss is about that Scott Pilgrim game, but seriously guys, there's no need to suffer. Quite frankly, you guys should all have modded 360s by now. Speaking from experience, it's well worth the time investment to do it yourself or to pay someone to do it for you. Once that's taken care of, you can load all the pirated games you want onto your 360's hard drive. I strongly oppose video game piracy, but of course, that only applies to games you can still buy. If I can't buy a game anymore, I don't feel bad about stealing it. Simple as that. I think delisted digital games are the ideal reason to get into game piracy, but what do you think? Surely you don't feel guilty for stealing a game that some faceless executive has decided that you can't buy anymore.
0: I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I, I've never used an emulator and uh, that I haven't filled my Super Nintendo Classic with some things that perhaps aren't even Super Nintendo games. So I, I do understand that, and I, and I, I know that's the, the way you can play a lot of things that no longer exist. So, so you're right, and, and that is a good point. But there are still things that, are, that would be nice to play on their original format, on the original system, Scott Pilgrim Games is an example of one that's just not available that you could probably still find someplace and play uh, on the system that was there. But we had also talked about games that, you know, were online only and those servers are gone or, or things that you just literally can't play them the way they were originally done. Even if you could make a private server for some of those games, it still wouldn't have the same feeling, the same community that you had before. So there, there are some things that are still gone forever. But yes, the, the method you brought up is is viable uh, but I don't think we're going to condone it necessarily. Even though I'm sure some of us may have done similar things.
1: It's a slippery slope. I I will admit that I did did have a modded Wii at one point. <laughs> um, that I spent a good majority of a day getting modded. Uh, I'm I'm just not that kind of person that that really enjoys that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I know last year I bought one of those. I can't remember what it's called, but it was like a. a this Game Boy kind of system that you built yourself, and I enjoy, I really enjoyed building that system. But once you've got it built, the aspect of actually putting more emulators on it and understanding uh, like learning Linux uh, and, and all that stuff to to get things on it was uh, w- was not my cup of tea. And and a lot of that stuff, uh, it, it, you know, it's probably very simple at this point for the 360 to get a lot of that on there, but. Uh, i've I've just never been that big of a person on it. last time I really did that besides the Wii was back uh, on the original PlayStation where I did pay somebody this uh, this guy at an import video game shop to mod my PlayStation so I could play import PlayStation games on. Hmm. Um, but yeah, i I don't know like it's it's this weird separation of like older games and newer games. like it seems fine to emulate older games because, the, the You know, the retro market is just insane these days. Uh, it, it There's a lot of that stuff is just way too expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and just having an emulator around and having those ROMs there, that's, I don't know. There's some people that are very, very crazy about that. They're like, there's no way you should do that unless you have a cartridge. I'm fine with that. Like, I'll, I'll emulate all day long. But, like, newer stuff, like 360 and up, I, I feel like maybe that's just a little bit, too new for me to really get into and have all that stuff on there uh but again that's just my opinion uh i I don't know how billy feels about this but i know we both tried to do the we thing and it didn't i i I sort of got it worked out but even after i got it it was just it was kind of a mess afterwards
2: it it was and and i'm certainly not going to take a moral high ground (laughs) on it um god i don't know many people that could to be honest. Um, and yeah, I did my main thing with the Wii. I, I loved being able to put all of my games over um, yeah. and not have to pop the disc in every single time. Like they were kind of on that, that, you know, that external drive. And that was wonderful. And I loved that aspect of it. And, being able to pick up like a few uh, games that weren't released here in in the states uh, was also great. but it's one of those things it took me and I don't have a mind for this kind of stuff at all. Um, i I get bored very quickly um, if a lot of instructions and a lot of steps are presented to me. and a lot of it back at the time that I was I was trying to do that it was' there wasn't like one really I mean you get on now and there are very nice. Nicely done YouTube videos, but at the time it's like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn a little bit from this this Reddit forum. uh, Oh, okay, they're linking me to this website for doing this part, and it was just it was like a a wild goose chase, and and I managed to do it, and once I did, (laughs) I can't tell you I really did much with it. Any, it was one of those things I I spent a good bit of time messing with, and or you know getting done, and then messed around with it maybe two or three days, got all my games put on there. Um God, and even then, I just there there was hardly anything I really did after that. I I, I certainly didn't take advantage of the full, you know, kind of scope of what it had to offer. Um, you know, and and, and piracy already is is like Jeremy said, slippery slope, but it, it adds an extra extra dimension to it when we're talking about games that are no longer available um i I mean one camp is still going to say oh don't you know you can't pirate things that's awful but the other is going to say i'm not taking any money you can almost justify that you're not taking money from anybody because they're not even selling the thing anymore um and and i can't tell you which which way of thinking is right or wrong i think that's just a, a, a personal decision uh, myself, I just, yeah, I, I'm kind of in that camp with Jeremy. I I'm all in it, um, to, to pick up like NES carts that I, or old game carts, you know, ROM wise that I, you know, that I've had and lost along the way or things I never got to play. And, the uh, only way I can find them right now is, you know, uh, eBay auctions that have, that are entered the triple digits. Uh, just all kinds of things like that. I do try to keep it limited, very much so in the past. Um, and I found now, at least now, they're starting to kind of give you uh, a little, a few more options. Um, oh God, especially that we U, that Wear shop and the Wii U shop. I thought we're we're really doing a good job kind of stamping out the need for seeking games elsewhere. Uh, I I was hoping the Switch would have been at that point, too. But those, you know, we've talked about those offerings are still kind of meager. So I don't know. Uh, I I just I can't see myself going through that for still a a console that isn't. I mean, it's old at this point, but I mean, it's not like it's, it's an ancient console by any means. I mean, it was just, you know, one back from now, so I, it's it's hard to say. But I, um, and as far as paying somebody for it, uh, that Scott Pilgrim game, I actually am lucky enough, I still have it downloaded on my PS3, uh, and I can't really think of a game off the top of my head where I would, you know, want to, to pay someone to go through that entire process, and, you know, and then once I did have it, I know what would happen. It would make for a fun weekend, and then that's it. So I don't know. I, I guess I'm just not that uh that not that eager to jump into that kind of scene.
1: I, I guess I will say, like, if it is out there for me to buy and it is not just a ridiculous price, mm-hmm. then I will generally buy it. Yeah. Um, and as far as like delisted games, uh, it just depends on how much I want to play it. You know, does does the uh, the whole act of modding a system and all that come with it? Is it worth the- is it worth it to play that Scott Pilgrim game anymore? Um, probably not to me. Just like, you know, I'm, I'm like Billy, I, it's just, I'm not very good at that stuff. Uh, the real tragedy in all of this, Billy, is that we can no longer play massive action game, no matter what we do. <laughs> we were, I'm going to,
2: God, I... I we're going to set a bonus, a bonus episode aside. Which... <laughs> Just Talk me about. and you talking about Mag
1: for PS3 and, and that guitar riff. Ever you know? And that's why I bought.
2: Kills. That's what got me to buy the PS3. <laughs> well. You were talking up. I, it was going to happen anyway, but I definitely um, I, I did it before I was financially really comfortable to do it. Just because you started chatting up Mag, I was like, well, I have got to fucking see this.
1: Um, yeah, just let let's parachute down into this spawn point where like 50 people are shooting at us while we're we're slowly
2: helplessly. We might be, <laughs> maybe we'll be dead before we hit the ground. Maybe yeah. not. It don't matter. It don't matter. You get that the, guitar riff
1: eventually, and everything's okay. The
2: kill streak reward was a guitar riff.
1: <laughs> oh, but that, that game's gone. Even- you cannot play that n- anymore. It is is literally gone. Even if you go buy it right now, and that's oh uh, yeah, it is. you
2: pop the disc in, and you can look at them you can look at the title screen if you want to. Um, God, that hurts. Just, just a I tragedy really, because it just got a massive update, retooled a lot of things on it, and it was playing nice. Taking down the. I'm, I don't want to talk too much because you know <laughs> bonus episode. I don't want to ruin it all before that.
1: All right, well, we will save uh, our thoughts on Massive Action Game for later for the PS3. Uh, But anyway, our next question comes in from Jonathan Combs, and this is actually on our Patreon feed. Jeremy, tell me about our Patreon feed.
0: Oh, well, if you decide that you really like this show and you want more of this than normally... You would get on our two shows a month on our main feed. We have a Patreon uh, where for $5 a month you get two bonus episodes. So you get double the Retrovaniacs for $5 a month. But even for as little as $1 a month you get access to our Patreon where you can you know, re- request games we cover. And we don't have to cover them there uh, unless you're a $10 Patreon where we do have to cover your game. But it's the easiest way to get a hold of us uh, for, for anything other than a general question. Uh, but if you do send us a question through there it guarantees we will answer it.
1: Yes, and coming from that Patreon feed, uh, Jonathan Combs writes in to say, One of the first NES games I owned as a kid was the Frequently Hated on Friday the 13th. I've always been biased in favor of the game, but lately I've been thinking about how ambitious it was. I feel like they tried some cool concepts such as having six playable characters with different strengths and weaknesses, but failed to really pull it off. What games do you think were either too ambitious or ahead of their time, but poorly executed and therefore maybe not recognized for their attempt?
0: I don't know if I'd ever call Friday the 13th ambitious. It definitely, uh, you know, the different <laughs> strengths, I think that's more of an issue where they don't point that out to you. No one tells you that information. Um, but that said, I, I didn't hate Friday the 13th. We covered it two Halloweens ago, maybe. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about this because I did get that question, and I was going to answer it directly, you know, without going to the show. And I thought, wait, I could put this on the show. And the only game that came to mind that I could say really did try and we still you know, in general talked badly about it was Bayou Billy. Uh, it, it does a lot of things. In fact, right now a game where you have uh, action sections and driving sections and shooting sections is every open world game. But uh, the NES could not do that, not do it well. And so all three games are kind of this mess uh, that, that is not fun to play through. In fact, the driving game is the absolute worst uh, in that, you know, we, we talked about that in length on that episode. So that, that's a game where I think they they have a great idea. There's a lot of Things that are in games now is a normal, standard thing, but just the NES couldn't pull it off. And I think the NES is the first system you're going to have... NES and Master System are the first times you're going to have games that really did try to do a whole lot and just just miss the mark enough that you, they end up being miserable. I think when you look at the 2600 or ColecoVision or those other games, those are such simpler games that even when they try to do a lot, like, say, Indiana Jones, uh, that's just a giant mess. But at least... You know, it's not the same kind of thing where you can see what they were aiming at. And it's just it's just slightly off the mark. Yeah.
2: And, and you know, I was thinking long and hard um, about it. And I, I always thought Nintendo was just super. And they I don't know how they get the reputation for being the company that, you know, d- doesn't take chances with anything. They seem like they're only fucking ones to do to me. And I think they've done some things that were, were really ambitious and it's not just games as much as like peripherals i they gave the fucking motion control thing as damn shitty as that power club was i they went for motion controls a good what 30 years before they are now to the point to where they're they're pretty damn solid um but they tried it. Uh, they tried a, a peripheral that you strapped onto yourself, and supposedly your moving it would move the screen. It failed miserably just because there wasn't... I don't think that technology was quite ready at the point in time. And, and probably a bunch of corners cut also. Um, I just thought that was ambitious too. And and to look at the... I mean, Nintendo was the one that put out the, the goddamn Virtual Boy. And... <laughs> You know, you say what you want about it, but I I think the word ambitious probably needs to be thrown out there for it. Uh, Once again, a thing they put out that was that was not quite ready, um, that you know was was ahead of its time, uh, or at least the idea of it, of having like you know a a home commercial use you know VR video game console, which is normal now. You go to your fucking Best Buy now, and there's you know there's several of them laid out there for you. Uh, not implemented well at all i think it had one good g- i think that wario game for it was pretty decent otherwise uh no good and, and i mean I, they're still doing it up to this day uh, like a modern like fallout 76 would be <laughs> one of the most recent ones uh, i i thought that was a pretty ambitious thing that that flopped uh, basically any fable game that came out um you know had lofty goals and and a lot of things they wanted to try to do but but didn't quite match to but i think nintendo really uh, really did it um you know and uh, you could even go back to that second legend of zelda game which tried to go side scrolling it tried to go overhead it you know it tried to have a gigantic overworld it, it went the rpg route they threw magic in there also they tried to do so much on that and it just ended up being just a a mishmash and it, none of it felt bad. And I, I don't mind that Zelda too, but I, I will say that they tried to do a bit more than, than that system could really handle with it. Um, so yeah, I, uh, there are plenty of examples, but I mean, most of mine, Nintendo is, is firmly behind, especially with that NES. Um, I think, like Jeremy said, um, the Atari, it was kind of hard to tell if they were trying to go, you know, too hard on something. Uh, But those early systems, especially at NES, with all the damn peripherals they tried to throw out there, and some of them worked. Like the the Zapper gun, that thing worked, and some of them didn't. Uh, But it was all things that, for the most part, you saw perfected and then polished and, and put out decades later.
1: I'll I'll definitely agree on Fable, though I, I, it it wasn't so much that it was ambitious as what the game ended up being, but as what it was hyped up to be before yes. it actually... Yes,
2: it, it was know, a, matter it, of, a matter of promises that were not quite,
1: yeah. not quite met. I think the end result was a pretty good, uh, a pretty fun little uh, action RPG. Oh, uh, if,
2: if you had no clue what you were supposed to be getting, I, I think you would walk away extraordinarily pleased with it. And yeah. I still enjoy it, but it's just you know it's one of those things where you kind of you, you kind a little sigh kind of comes out of you yeah. when you think about what you were supposed to have.
1: You you got all that you know all that hype and all that stuff that it was supposed to be, and then you just got a a pretty good action RPG out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, uh, Fable definitely. I I think uh, Spore also was mm. one of those games that really got me into the hype of of what this was this game was going to be. Um, and, and that just ended up not being that game. Uh, it, it was like, they just kind of had, they had all the, all the ideas in the world and, and all the ambition in the world to make this something that was like, start as a cell based video game mm-hmm. and then move up to like literally conquering space. Yeah, And if anyone was actually using their brain cells at the time, you'd be like, that game can't exist, <laughs> you know, on the level that, that, that they're promising, mm-hmm. but, and they were promising that. Uh, but it just it never quite got to that point. But uh, I don't know that that those two games are more or less, you know, the ambition was from what they were saying and not what they delivered. Mm-hmm. Well, you, uh, you know what else
2: we could throw? You know what else we could throw out there?
1: Massive action game.
2: Well, that and <laughs> and oh, and speaking of, of shows that might need their own episode at some point, you could throw old Seaman out there, too. Yeah, I get.
1: Yes, I th- that was a very overly ambitious game as being like compared to what we have now is like actual AI that we can talk to. Yes, they were trying a lot uh, with, with C Man and you know trying to fake that stuff, but damn, it was it was pretty convincing. I know Jeremy P loves him some C Man,
2: it was did. convincing, and it, it got a little scary every now and then. How, uh, how you know how well they were able to, to kind of trick you with that. I, I think th- that thing is due up. It's due up for a comeback.
1: All right. That's going to do it for that one. And our next question, it comes in from Joel M. And uh, he's writing in about games that we'll never do again. (laughs) Holy hell, you guys have done a lot of episodes over the years, and it's going to take me half of one to catch up. Looking over the list of what you've covered, I was wondering if there's a type of game or genre that you did once and then said never again. Thanks for the podcast, and thanks for keeping me busy listening, Joel.
0: I don't know if there's something we've done that I would refuse to do another game in that style again. I mean, obviously, we wouldn't want to cover the same game twice, but uh, no, especially with taking requests from people. Uh, you know, if, if you're going to offer a game up, and, you know, we'll, we'll probably take a, a consideration of covering it, or if you pay, we'll have to. So I don't think there's anything we flat out refuse to do. There's kinds that I know I'm not going to like to do. After this year, uh, if we never do a fighting game again, I'm okay with that. (laughs) That's my fault. I overdid it in February for fighting month. Um, But even, I mean, you know, it's hard to cover a driving game unless there's something super notable in it. While I would gladly cover fishing in video games, I never want to cover a fishing video game again. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. just me. But, uh, But generally, no, there's
2: nothing that I would refuse to cover. And also, I I don't think there's anything. I it would be, I I, it would kind of be a disservice to you know, just outright say you're not going to cover a a particular kind of game again. I know there are some that when I see them uh, on the schedule, (laughs) I'm not going to be pleased. But but I mean, I still think yeah, we kind of owe it to try to try to be objective about it. At least go in there and and give it a shot, um, even if we even if we know it's going to be hopeless. Still, I.E. you never know. I you really don't. Um, I could very well say that I, you know, really wouldn't care to see another, you know, and I quote PC assed game come across our way again. But I know they will, and I will always semi gladly give them a shot, because I know that not all of them. I uh, God, some they have to be better in general chaos, surely. Um that cannot nothing, be that what no. I go back and
1: listen to that podcast. You all ended up loving General po- General Chaos.
2: Yeah. that yeah, we was. Were, I don't we think were, that's well, true. I've, I've had time. I've had time to think things over since then. I was caught up, It as a spur of the moment. But yeah, I, I think we'll, we're probably good with covering basically everything. God knows we've covered a little bit of everything. And it seems like we will continue to, happily. Uh, not always very happily, but as happily as we can. Yes, I, I
1: just I, I think mine would be that we just never cover fighting games again because after after fighting game month uh, with air uh, and uh, doomsday warrior uh, and uh, doomsday warrior. That was uh, <laughs> <laughs> that one was that one was rough to get through. Uh, I'm just it's very hard to actually talk. Yeah, about I don't fighting like
2: games. I don't like the way this is going.
1: <laughs> it was, it's just kind of hard. You know, you've got the people that are either very into fighting games or they're not. And if you want to like the best thing about discussing fighting games, if they don't have something crazy to talk about, you know, the other modes or something like air heights, then you're just kind of left discussing hitboxes and special moves and timing and things like that. And that's probably not the most interesting thing to talk about to people that, that really don't follow fighting games. Um, but generally, yes, we will probably cover everything, and that's going to do it for questions, guys. But before we end it here, I just wanted to bring in something that I thought was very—it—it—it um, it, it got to me. This is a, a review from our iTunes, our iTunes podcast channel, or whatever. You can mm-hmm. leave reviews on that. We don't hardly ever read anything from that, so this is a rare thing. But I just wanted to bring this one in. Because I wanted to see if everyone can maybe pick out the point where it kind of just—you'll uh, see, you'll see. Let me just read this. Uh, this one is actually from Matt the Drag Stan. Uh, this is a newer one. This is a good review. He gives us four out of five stars, and this is uh, back in April. Uh, and he says, "Thanks for dedicating the, your show to such iconic and fun games for of the past." I enjoy the lack of elitism and communication style on the podcasters. It's easy to jump into. Suggestion. You may want to create a way for supporters to send suggestions for possible games to be reviewed. Just a thought. Guys, I, mean, I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there, there are a handful of ways to do so. Uh, that Not all of them require you pay us any money. Uh, you could... You could simply use the question form that we've mentioned every show since putting the question form in. I believe for the first year there probably was not a question form we mentioned. But you could still have sent us Facebook questions, Twitter questions, even on Instagram. That stuff's checked all the time. Uh, The reason we don't check the iTunes reviews as often is it means you have to have listened to us via, I guess now it's technically Apple Podcasts. If you use any other player, then, you know, it wouldn't be there. Your comments wouldn't be there. It's not that useful. I mean, that said... Please, if you're bored, why not give us a five-star review? Write it up. You don't have to write much. You can just write, hey, I like it, or nothing. Just five stars. It helps us uh, get people who are just looking for random podcasts on Apple Podcasts to do that. But, uh, but yeah, we don't normally read those out loud because it's, it's only accessible to a small portion of the audience. But, uh, yeah, no, we've, we've had, I don't know plenty of ways to send us recommendations and and the way to guarantee we cover your game like our next episode is to become one of our Super Retrovaniac DX Deluxe patrons. Uh, That's a $10 (laughs) a month minimum, but it guarantees we will cover your game uh, next episode will be on Judge Dredd for the Super Nintendo. So that's one that a patron requested. We're going to cover it. But even if you don't want to give us money, uh, we have spots on our Patreon page plus all of our social media where you can say, hey, man, do you guys remember Crystallis? And maybe we do, and maybe that will make us do an episode. So there are plenty of ways for us to, to be reached, but maybe you've only listened to the first 30% of every episode. If you have, then you've not gotten to the listener questions where I know we mention all these ways to get a hold of us.
1: Yeah, uh, kind of insulting there, Matt. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yes, we have went out of our way for like, what, four years now uh, of saying that, you know, go to retrovania.net, scroll all the way down to the bottom of that page, and there's a contact form, the best contact form
2: on the internet. Yeah, I, can, I'm almost, I'm envious of him because he gets to see that contact form for the first time, and I yes. wish I could go back. Uh, And have that thrill again.
1: Totally. I do too. When I actually put that in there, that was, you know, an amazing moment. Because I get to tell you guys that you can go there and do that. Uh, Like Jeremy said, you you are guaranteed on our Patreon if you sign up for a certain uh, tier. Uh, But, you know, even if you're not, you can still recommend games to us. And if it's something that we would like to cover, we just forgot, we'll throw it in there. Um, So, yeah, totally do that. Matt. Please listen to more than uh, the first 40% of our podcasts uh, or episodes. uh, And, um, you know, hopefully in the future, you can send us uh, uh, your recommendation through uh, retrovania.net, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever we have, or even our Patreon if you want to sign up.
0: So, yeah, if you want to send us a recommendation or just any question, that form, again, is always at the bottom of retrovania.net, the best way to get a hold of us. Uh, And, again, our next episode is one recommended by a listener a patron paid episode for judge dread for the super nintendo a game i've never played i don't think any of us have really put a lot of time into it so we're looking forward to that we like covering games we've never played